Welcome back to It's Haunted, What Now? I'm your host, Lainey. At first glance, you might think that none of today's stories have anything to do with each other. We've pulled together quite the eclectic collection of bumps in the night, possible UFOs, reincarnation, and monstrous creatures. How could any of these have connections, especially if you take into account that one of them even involves a house infestation? But looking over them and getting ready for this episode... I think there's one thing that ties all of these stories together. Well, actually, that would be spoiling the surprise, wouldn't it? So, ready to get spooked? Our first story today comes from Elegant Ad 4219. They bring us the story of the Snake Man, who used to frequent their childhood bedroom. When I was little, my bedroom was really just a mudroom, complete with our washer and dryer in it. The room had a door to the outside, although it was always locked with a deadbolt. It was cute and I liked it enough. It had a new daybed that I really liked. The space itself wasn't scary. It was that every night, I'd wake up to see that door opening on its own, despite it being deadbolted shut. The door would open and I would just see fog and a weird ambient light. Then, he would stride in. I called him the Snake Man. His upper chest and head looked like a rearing snake. And, to be honest, once I got older, I realized how ridiculous he looked. He'd stand there, observing me somewhat dispassionately, and then stride past me out of my room and down the hall. Ridiculously looking or not, he terrified me. He was menacing in a way that I couldn't explain, especially when you paired that with my door opening on its own, night after night. A few months of this and I finally decided that I was sleeping on the couch in the living room instead of my bedroom. That was where I slept for several years until my family finally moved out of that house. So I've read a lot of these stories now about entities terrorizing children, and they never fail to spook. I'm glad that you were able to find a safer place to sleep, and that this didn't follow you through your life any further. But I don't know anything that gets rid of like a half-snake man, and this reminds me of the last episode where we had somebody else who had a half-creature, you know, person coming into their space, but it didn't end up following them elsewhere in the house, so very strange. Our next story comes from Artistic Rip 8184 who met someone in a restaurant who was the last person they'd ever expect to see. I've heard the dead can visit us in human form, but I've always wondered if that's true. I was waiting tables at the restaurant I worked at one afternoon and stopped by to greet a table that had an older woman and a man sitting together. When I spoke to them, the man was looking down, so I didn't notice him right away. The woman ordered her beverage and I asked the man what he would like to drink. He looked up at me and said, I'll take a Diet Pepsi. 
all I could do was stare. My dad passed away 26 years ago when I was just a little kid, but I swear on my life, the man sitting in front of me was the living, breathing version of him. Same face, same height and build, same voice, and even the same gold tooth. I also don't have great memories of my dad, so I had a lot of emotions hit me at once. When I could finally speak, I managed to stammer out, Okay, I'll be back. I took the order and checked on them a couple times. When they paid, the man smiled at me with this twinkle in his eye that made me feel even more like it was my dad. He thanked me, but when he did, he didn't say the name listed on the receipt, my given name. Instead, he used my childhood nickname, but I never told either of them my name at all. Ooh, that's literally how I felt reading it. Now, this one definitely sent a chill down my spine. I fully believe that there are doppelgangers around the world for nearly everyone. I still am waiting to see mine, but there are people who always like text me or message me and go, I think I saw you, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, it wasn't me. But back to you. So for him to know your nickname like that, now that's something that's pretty hard to explain away, especially if it's an uncommon nickname. Our next story is from OnlyFigs278 who tells us the story of a strange animal in the woods. I live at the base of the Appalachian Mountains, but I didn't grow up here, so I'm not certain of local folklore. But I saw something tonight that maybe I should have been warned about beforehand. I was walking my dog outside before putting him to bed, late one night around 11pm. It was very dark, as there are a lot of wooded areas around my apartment complex. I usually walk him about half a mile or so out from the complex to a stop sign and light post at the end of the street, which borders on the woods. Usually, there is nothing out of the ordinary, just woods and the normal animals like squirrel and the occasional deer. Sometimes there's that weird heavy feeling, like something is watching you intently, but I mostly ignore it and we'll just cut our walk short and head home after briefly scanning the area to make sure nothing's there. Tonight, I had that heavy watch feeling again, but when I scanned the woods, this time, there was something there. A dog with glowing yellow eyes that looked exactly like my dog, down to the heart-shaped white spot on his chest, was standing just past the tree line and staring directly at us. It looked like it could be my dog's twin, but there was just something off about it that invoked a feeling of run. My dog definitely saw it too, and was whining and staring hard at the leash. Usually my dog is reactive to other large dogs, but He seemed more scared than anything else and wanted to get away, which is very abnormal behavior for him. After seeing that strange animal, I fought that run feeling and walked quickly but casually back to the gated area and home without looking back. I listened hard the whole time for anything coming behind us, but nothing came. I'll be skipping nighttime walks for a while, that's for sure. any sort of animal like this and I'd have done the exact same thing. It's not worth the risk, 
I'm not especially familiar with the folklore in this area, so I'm curious if anybody who does live in that area knows something about this demon doppelganger dog. But like I said, maybe somebody listening has any ideas of what it could have been. In the meantime, definitely keep a sharp eye of where you are when you're walking and what's around you. And again, I just do not advocate for nighttime walks, ever. They're scary. And especially if you live near the woods. Come on, guys. Come on. How long have we been doing this, guys? Come on. Anyways, our next story is from Silent Independent 28, who tells us of a home infestation with a sinister undertone. I've been haunted since I was a kid. As cliche as it sounds, my ghost is of a little girl, and there are many others in my life who've seen her. She's a part of my life now as much as anything else. She hasn't been as active lately, but what did happen recently was strange on its own. I found a ridiculous amount of maggots in my kitchen. My first thought was that something had been left out. I looked everywhere, but there was nothing. I cleaned up the maggots and deep cleaned the area where I'd found them, as well as the rest of the kitchen, for good measure. A few days went by and nothing happened. Completely normal. And then more maggots appeared in exactly the same spot as before. I looked outside and there were no dead animals and no food or meat was left out inside. I did the same as before and deep cleaned absolutely everything. Shortly afterwards, my ghost girl started terrorizing my roommate. The ghost has never been physical with anyone besides me, so my roommate didn't get hurt, but she was definitely scared. My ghost has never left gifts like the maggots before, so I'm starting to think that maybe it has something to do with my roommate. Maybe I'm psyching myself out, or maybe I'm not. Okay, so you're calm about being regularly haunted, and I'm not sure I'd react the same way, especially if it manifested in this way. Maggots are disgusting, and hopefully you and your roommate are alright, and hopefully the spirit of yours stops manifesting such horrible little warning signs or gifts as you call them. Maybe a talk with your roommate might be in order to see if there's any unfinished business that they might need to tell you about. The maggots also brings up a very strange memory that just populated in my brain. I had a really good friend when I was younger. Her name was Sandra, and we grew up in these sketchy apartments growing up. One night, you know, we had used the Ouija board. We knew her apartment was haunted. We were totally like believers in the paranormal, all that stuff. And I remember one night we had played uh, with the Ouija board and then we went to sleep in the living room and I remember we woke up the next morning and it was kind of like this weird dream state. So like still to this day, I'm not sure if it was a dream or if it was like what actually happened, but the entire living room floor was full of maggots. Like we were surrounded by a lake of maggots and it was the most surreal, weirdest thing. And I was maybe around 
six or seven, like maybe six, seven, eight years old. So super young. And seeing this, I was like, oh my gosh. And the reason I say I'm not sure if I was dreaming because we had this shared experience, like we both talked about it. And so I don't know if we were sharing a dream experience or if this really happened, but they eventually like were kind of sucked back into the ground and they went away. When I tell you this living room floor, like this carpet was full of maggots. It truly was. It was like a lake of maggots. And yeah, I don't know what that was. I don't know how to explain that situation at all. All I can do is, you know, maybe associate it with using the Ouija board. And much like your ghost girl, we had a ghost girl in Sandra's apartment. So maybe that's what it was that, you know, maybe these ghost girls that we know are just leaving maggots for people. No idea. I wonder if anybody else out there listening has had a similar experience with, you know, maggots appearing and then kind of just going away, or even if you're cleaning them. We did not pick them up. I mean, truly, it was like they got sucked back in. So a little different, but same sentiment. Anywho, an anonymous emitter brings us our next story with a memory of a strange road trip they once took and an even stranger bout of sightseeing along the way. I'll do my best to explain what I saw, but it's difficult to paint an exact picture. I was driving across the country with my mom, and just before 11 p.m., we entered California from Arizona. It was a rural area with maybe a few other cars around, but I definitely wouldn't call it traffic. I was driving, and off to one side of the road, I spotted something glowing. It was fluorescent, neon dark blue, very bright, but it didn't light up anything around it. It was just glowing. It was shaped like some sort of energy cell, if that makes any sense, like something out of a futuristic movie or video game. It was huge too, probably close to five feet tall and two feet wide with strange ribbed sides. And a bit off the road on the right side ground level-ish, I see something glowing. It took me a second, but I realized that this thing was moving and moving very weirdly. It shifted like it was glued to the ground and tracing the hilly terrain, almost like it was on top of some sort of off-roading vehicle. After a few seconds, the strange shape disappeared into the ground, and I saw two small spotlights appear in the air where it disappeared. The lights didn't reach far and were encased in a sort of dome of light that the spotlights couldn't reach past. The lights just stopped in their tracks instead of fading out into the sky. The entire thing looked wildly unnatural, and the entire time we drove by it, I was talking with my mom, both of us trying to figure out what the hell we'd just seen. Almost immediately, my mother started screaming, asking what the hell was that? Trying to keep my focus on the road, I never saw what she was talking about, but she told me they looked like strange stick men, nearly 12 feet tall, along the same side of the road where we'd seen the strange lights. I punched the gas and got us the hell out of there. I didn't think fast enough to try and take a video, but I'm almost glad I didn't. Something tells me that I wouldn't get off easy for that. I'm not sure why, but I can't shake my theory that the lights have something to do with the government. It's just a hunch, but it sounds plausible, doesn't it? So if you ask me, there's enough secrets going around from the general public that it doesn't truly seem like such a stretch of the imagination to say that the government is hiding something from us. 
Could these lights have something to do with it? We'll probably never know for certain. But you're surely not the first nor the last to have similar experiences, and they're all becoming just a little too common to explain them away as nothing. I'm just glad you and your mom weren't hurt. And if I haven't shared it yet, I'm going to record my grandmother sharing her UFO story that happened in Plano, Texas back in the 60s. Insane. Our next story is from Successful Effect 89, who tells us a tale of a mysterious house and its even more mysterious interior. Once, about 20 years ago when I was a teenager, I was traveling with my parents and three uncles. My family always had a thirst for adventure, and when they heard there were supposed haunted houses that were about to be torn down, they of course wanted to make a trip to it before it was gone. The story went that someone had hacked their family to death in this house, but I don't think that story is relevant to my experience. We drove to the location and the house was in ruins. It was a two-story house on a very large lot, which even included a well. The house was just a complete mess. The walls were completely torn down in some rooms. The second floor was open to the sky. People had graffitied the hell out of it, writing things like, this is the house of the devil, or scribbling their names. Nonsense like that. We decided to tour the home, or what was left of it. There really was not much to see on the first floor. Walls were down and we were exposed to the elements. But we all did notice one curious thing. There was a single doorway where if you looked in, you could see a spiraling staircase going straight down to a very dark room. We all assumed it was the basement and we all commented how creepy it was. I even stuck my head through the doorway to look down. When I did, I just got a weird feeling and felt scared, but I chalked that down to hating dark, unfamiliar places. My family decided that we should visit that room last, as it was probably the best part of the whole house, which at that point was just a run-of-the-mill, rundown house. After looking around the second floor, we finally went downstairs to check out that creepy, spiraling staircase and that basement, except now that doorway was a solid wall. Nothing was there, as if it had never existed at all. The odd part is that we didn't really react. We just sort of accepted that the doorway was gone, and here was this solid wall. We searched for that basement, looked all around, and couldn't find it. I still think about it till this day, and how, if we had all gone down those stairs, would we have been trapped down there for all of eternity? The odd part is that this is in a country where basements aren't even common at all. It should not even make sense to have it in your home. Yet, we saw it until we didn't. I would have been out of that house faster than the flash. The fact that you all saw that door and the staircase and yet it still wasn't there, this is terrifying to think about. I wonder what happened when they tore the house down afterwards, if anything, you know, is still happening on the land where that house used to be. If you hear any updates on it, please let us know. It sounds like there's something terribly powerful lurking there. Our final story comes from Jace, with a family legacy that dips deep into the paranormal. 
When I was in high school, my longtime friend group would hang out regularly on the weekends. During one specific year, we used one house as our hangout spot. One member of the friend group had just moved into this house, and his mom let us do whatever we wanted. For the sake of his privacy, we can call him Dustin. I had an experience at Dustin's house that has stuck with me to this day. Many experiences, actually, but this one in particular. I was at Dustin's house one night, along with his younger sister and his cousin. We were all sitting in the living room, all sharing space on a giant beanbag he owned. We were all excited that night because Dustin's mom had decided to stay at a friend's house and we had the house all to ourselves. It seemed like a normal night until suddenly we all heard what sounded like a window breaking. It sounded like it was coming from Dustin's little sister's room. Then it sounded like someone was tearing through the room, throwing things all around and breaking them. Dustin's little sister and cousin began crying and screaming immediately. In a panic, Dustin and I ran to his sister's room completely unarmed. We busted open her front door, expecting to be greeted with whoever had just broken into the house. However, we only found a room that was completely clean and empty. Nothing was out of place and the window wasn't broken. We thought that maybe we mistook what room had been broken into. We proceeded to check every room in the house, only to be greeted with the same thing. No windows had been broken, and there was nobody else in the house. We were understandably confused by this. The four of us huddled together on the beanbag once more to console one another. That's when I heard it, the sound that would completely change my perception of the paranormal. It sounded like a set of keys being dropped on a table in the kitchen to our left. I jumped up to investigate, but once again, I found nothing. The rest of the night was uneventful, but we couldn't sleep. The next day, I told my mom about what happened. She entertained the idea and listened to the story half-heartedly. That is, until I mentioned the set of keys dropping. That made her eyes go wide, which obviously concerned me. She told me that she needed to tell me something. Evidently, when my mom was in high school, she had a few friends who walked a bit of a darker path. One was practicing as a witch, and one claimed to be a Satan worshiper who eventually asked my mom to join him in a strange combination of both seance and ritual. She sat in the circle with him, but refused to say anything. She told me that during the ritual, things began flying around the room and scared her so bad that she ran out and never talked to him again. Nevertheless, she felt like something had followed her after that. She said that she always felt like she was being watched and as if something was always creeping up behind her. A friend of hers told her that a demon may have tried to attach itself to her and that she needed some sort of protection. Her friend told her that she should attach a protective entity to her and that to do that, they'd perform a ritual of their own. After the ritual was over, her friend told her that the entity was with her, would protect her from any evil spirits that may intend harm, and always would. The friend told my mom that this entity would make himself known and she would know he was there to protect her. In particular, she'd know her protective entity was close when she heard the sounds of keys jingling. When my mom told me that, I felt ice in my veins. It just seems like too scary a coincidence. What could I have heard if it wasn't keys? What did we all hear? Why did we all hear someone or something absolutely tearing Dustin's little sister's room apart, only to suddenly stop? And with everything still in its place, 
maybe this entity was protecting me as well. I think I agree with you here. It sounds like the protection has moved from your mother and onto you or encased you as well. I wonder what the significance is of the sound of the keys. Is it something linked to the spirit in some way? Did they maybe have a horrible car crash or encounter that led to this association and made them want to protect others? It's a really compelling story, and I'm grateful you shared it with us. I think this one's going to stick with me for a while. Well, that does it for this episode. If you'd like to submit your own personal spooky tale to be read on the show, head to hauntedpod.com and click on the link to submit your story. You can also email me, hauntedpod at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a positive review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast player of choice. And if you are a listener on Spotify, you can actually comment on the podcast episode. So that's cool. Let me know what you think. It really does help us out in the end to have that engagement. So thank you. You can find us on Twitter for now at podcast underscore haunted, Instagram at it's haunted what now or at hauntedpod.com. Production assistance provided by Jesse Hoff. Writing assistance by Meg Williams. The official composer and audio smith for the show is Neeks at We Talk of Dreams. Check him out on Twitter at We Talk of Dreams or WeTalkOfDreams.com. Until next time. Did you hear that? <laughs>